0: Here's a preview from this episode.
1: I ask for help. One of the biggest challenges that I have seen, you know, my my audience is 92% women. The vast majority of them are moms. And what I hear so consistently is I feel like I'm spread thin. I feel like I'm burning out. I feel like I'm doing too much. But these are things they feel they have to do. What are you going to tell your kids? No. Are you going to tell your parents? No. Are you going to? These are things they feel they have to do.
0: Okay, friends. So the angels kept waking me up and showing me a large group of people who feel really stuck right now. They asked me to create a free three day online conference. We've never done this before, packed with energy healings, clearings, abundance activations, and teachings all channeled by the angels, all so that you can enter 2024 feeling renewed, connected, and aligned. Your angels are calling it Angel Fest 2024, and they promise this event is the shift and transformation you've been looking for. Plus, it's absolutely free. Everything will be recorded so you can tune in at your convenience. And here's an exciting bonus. We're offering free readings to five lucky registrants who leave a five-star positive review of this podcast. Don't miss this divine opportunity. Reserve your spot right now at theangelmedium.com backslash free. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And friends, we have a fabulous guest with us today. You're going to love today's episode. If you are like 2024, just needs to be my best year yet. We've got MJ Harris here, who, by the way, my last name used to be Harris too. It was a lot easier than Jansis back in the day. (laughs) And he has written the book that is going to help us navigate this. It's Get the F Out of Your Own Way. MJ, welcome to the show. Show.
1: Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be here, Julie.
0: Yay. Okay. So let's talk about this because what actually brought you to this point? I think so many of us work with clients all the time and we see that oftentimes we as teachers are teaching what it is that we need ourselves. Where did this concept start for you of get out of your own way?
1: Because what I realized, you know, I've been, you know, doing coaching and doing all this in the self-help arena for over a decade. And what I realized is that the seminars, us as coaches, the books, everything, these are amazing tools that can springboard you and be a catalyst for you to get out of your own way. They can guide you on methodologies and technical steps that you can use. But ultimately, what it comes down to is you making a decision to be honest with yourself first about what are some of the things that you're doing or, for that matter, allowing that's making your life operate in this way that you're currently not satisfied with. You have to take some personal responsibility, even when you're a victim in something. Not say that it's your responsibility or it's your fault while you're victimized. But the question is, what are you willing to do now in order to deal with it? All, I think what it comes down to, uh, which inspired me to do this book, was I really want to do something that would help people to have an honest gentle yet firm conversation with themselves about the things that they might be doing even though they may not always know they're doing it that could be blocking them from the life that they desire and deserve to live.
0: So there's so many different self-limiting beliefs that we have and I think that that's a term that's kind of tossed around so much that people kind of gloss over it but if you really break it down and you say okay these are the biggest self-limiting beliefs that I see people struggling with. And if they just twisted, it, you know, or turn their perspective just a little bit and saw it this other way, we could really make some huge shifts. What are some of those biggest, like limiting beliefs and what are the shifts that you've seen really turn the tide for folks?
1: I think that one of the biggest limiting beliefs that we have is that we have a fixed belief about who we are. We have a fixed belief that I am just a shy person or that I just, you know, have a temper or I'm a quiet person, I'm passive, I'm this, whatever maybe you can throw in the description there. And we believe that that is who we are and that we're not capable of changing it. And I think that's very limiting. Do I think that certain things are a bit ingrained and enmeshed in us? Absolutely. And some of those things may take a bit more work and maintenance to be able to change and sustain that change. But we are capable of immeasurable levels of change. We are capable of completely transforming ourselves. We are extremely adaptive as human beings and we literally can envision, can envision for ourselves what we want to become and then use our intellect, our deductive reasoning and our relationship building skills to build a path towards it. I'm not saying that change is going to be easy, but what I'm saying is that we're capable. And I think that that's one of the biggest self-limiting beliefs that block us from change, which is that who I am, how I live, who I love, how I allow myself to be loved, is what it is and I really can't change it
0: yeah it's interesting that kind of brings me around to something that I heard recently by Jay Shetty where he was talking about this old parable I think it's a Buddhist parable where a monk is traveling along this road and he gets to this big river and he can't cross the river by himself so he builds this canoe I think crosses the river with the canoe and decides okay well this canoe is a tool that saved my life so I'm going to carry it everywhere that I go gets to a mountain that's very heavily forested and has to carry the canoe up through the forest. And he thinks that I can't carry this canoe anymore. And it's very much like this aha moment that the tools that used we used to help us before that really created that personality or that identity, that persona, don't have to be the tools that carry us we can use new tools. And I think that ties in a lot to what you were just saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can acquire new tools. You know, if I think about my own life, you know, I grew up in a household where I learned through direct and indirect messaging that being a people pleaser was a good thing. I was rewarded for, it, you know, being the kid who was always agreeable, the first to apologize, apologize the most accommodating you know i was patted on the head figuratively speaking as a child for that And i grew into an adult who became a people pleaser constantly looking for to be patted on the head you know for pleasing people and that is something that i had to look at for myself because what i realized was that i was experiencing very high levels of anxiety financially, I was being affected by being a people pleaser because it can be very expensive. My relationships continued to suffer and I continued to choose people that it sometimes made me feel like I was being used or taken advantage of, or at the very least that I was over-functioning in my relationships. Even with good people, I was finding myself over-functioning. And so what I had to ask myself was, is a solution that I need to just find different kinds of people to be around? Is a solution that I should just, you know, that everyone else needs to change? Or is there some rewiring that I need to do? Do, How can I get out of my own way? And that's really what it came down to, was just acknowledging that I may not know every step to take, but I can find those steps. And over the years, as I found those steps, I documented them. As I saw success, I documented that. And that ultimately became what my book is.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And I think that from the outside looking in, there is this maybe generalized notion that when we do this self-help work that we're going to get in and get out of it, right? And like, we're going to figure it all out in a year. But as I look back over the last 10 years of my life, it wasn't one thing. It was that I had to get out of my own way one bit by one bit every year for 10 years. And I feel like I'm finally to a point where I have the most confidence that I've ever had in my own life. And I know myself more than ever before. Not that there isn't other work to be done, but maybe you could speak to those who are like, okay, MJ, I am just at the beginning of my journey here. It feels like, where do I even start?
1: Well, I will say this. I want you to recognize that we are all on a journey, and I think that we try to give ourselves permission to not think of it as so linear, that there's a start, a middle, and an end, because then I do think that it can give you a sense that I'm just starting out. But where you're at is much further along than what you know, because even recognizing that there are changes to be made is huge. Think about that person that you may know, you may be related to, you may be even in a relationship with them, where it's like this person really does not see how they are so destructive in their own life in whatever way, shape or form. They don't even recognize. You can put it in front of their face, they don't see it. So feel great about the fact that you at least recognize that some changes um, need to happen. The next thing I would say is, I want you to be honest with yourself about what parts of your life Rather this relationships um, with others, relationship to yourself, be specific. Um, What parts of your life are you least happy with the most? And I say the most because there are parts of your life you could be living in your dream career. There are going to be days that you don't enjoy it. Let's just be real. But what parts of your life are you least happy with the most? What part, who's that person where when you're around, you tense up the most? Or what's that activity you have to do, or whatever it may be, where it's like, I really don't enjoy this? What part of your day do you enjoy the least? That's what I want you to focus on first and thinking about what are small changes that I can make that won't necessarily transform this completely because transformation takes time. But at the very least can bring me some level of relief. I'll give you an example. That particular you know, person, I know we just came out of the holiday season, everything like that. And we can think about that relative where it's like, I love them. But whenever they come in the room, I tense up when they open their mouth. I'm always questioning, are you trying to? Are you saying something? Are you trying to, you know, be snarky with me? Whatever it may be. We know that that relative um, that seems to traumatize us with their presence. Well, maybe a solution may be on a small level that next time that they call you, you'll give yourself permission not to answer the phone immediately, but to kind of charge your battery up and give them a call back when you're ready. Or next time that they say something that you don't like, you'll give yourself permission to maybe just make an excuse. It doesn't have to be the truth. I mean, hey, to end the call, but just what are some small steps you can do to get some relief?
0: You know, that was actually a huge part of my journey at the very beginning too. I'd say 10 years ago, there are people who were just really big energy drains. And I didn't know if when I took their call, if it was going to be a good call, like they were positive and up, and I was going to get that energy, or if it was going to be like a ho-hum, oh, this is my life. I can't believe this is happening. Not that I didn't want to be there to support them, but what I started doing is checking in with my own energy and saying, where am I at today? Like, do I have the energy to deal with this? Because if I take it and it's a negative call and I'm down in my energy and my mood, and I don't have capacity for this. It's only going to be bring me further down where then I have to work double as hard to get out of that hole myself. So I stopped taking those calls when I would like check my energy and say, I don't have capacity for this right now. I can't do it.
1: Mm-mm. I have someone in my life that I love tremendously. I've known them for a very long time. They are an energy drain. Sometimes they're not, but more often than not, they are. And I know that about them. And so what I do is that when I get a call from them, I, even a text message, I give myself permission not to open it until I'm ready. Okay? First of all, I'm not their emergency contact, so there's nothing that they should be reaching out to me that's that time sensitive. And then I wait to respond or wait to return the call until I know that I'm in my best mood. So I for me, when I'm on the treadmill because I've got the endorphins going, Either when I'm on it or right when I get off. That's my best time to deal with the potential energy drain because I feel like you know there's love and light everywhere because I because I you know have the the endorphins from the um, workout. So I time it around that and I give myself permission to feel to not feel bad. And they told me years ago they said I feel like you're not as supportive of me as as you used to be. I, and I said well, you know life has changed and I have to be honest with you just with everything going on in my life right now. I sometimes just don't have the energy to give that I think that you need from me at that moment. So I try to call you at times when I know that I can give you my undivided attention. It was a very polite way of telling them my truth without insulting their truth.
0: Want to hear your spirit team clearly? With 12 brand new courses, my 2024 Archangel Membership Will cumulatively teach you how to go beyond seeing signs to deciphering spirit's messages for you and open you to abundance in every area of your life. Become an annual paying Archangel member, and I'm giving you two live bonus courses with me and quarterly group mentorship meetings. Members are invited to live recordings of the podcast with some of our top guests. For tons of new perks and special annual discount, use code ANGEL2024. Space is limited. Enrollment is first come, first served. DM me at Angel Podcast with any questions, and you'll hear back personally from my associate, Yvonne, or I. The Angels want to make 2024 your best year yet. Join today only on my website, theangelmedium.com backslash angel membership. Thank you so much for supporting this show. So when it comes to getting out of your own way, one of the things that I have noticed most with humanity in general and. Is that there are some people who don't put a cap or a limit on their dreams where they just allow their imagination to run wild. And I really truly believe, MJ, that what comes through your imagination is spirit, God, universe, source, your angels, your loved ones on the other side, showing you like your own potential here. But there's really, if you look at the entire human collective, I would say 97 to 99% of humanity, when that imagination comes in, they go, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, that's too hard. Oh, I don't have room for that in my life. Oh, you know, and we, we make an excuse. There's a real small percentage of people who allow those dreams to come in and go, hmm, how could I make that happen? Hmm. That's interesting. Those are your movers and shakers. But what occurs to me and what the angels say all the time is that could be everybody. There is no limit. Like you don't have to be limiting yourself in that way. Just allow yourself to dream. What do you think about that?
1: I think it is so true. That's how I live my life. For me, I believe that anything is possible. My only limitation within me is my willingness to seek out the path, the tools, the mentors, whoever it may be that can help me get to whatever that is. And I do believe that spirit speaks to us in that way. That thought, I was in the car the other day heading to the airport and I don't know what inspired this thought, but some thought came to my mind and I believe it was spirit saying, oh, you should try out this different approach to content creation. I'd never tried that approach before in my life, but it occurred to me, I was like, because I know from following spirit in the past, I was like, this is going to be a good thing. You don't have to know how, just hold on to it as a good thought. You know what helps me out a lot is I, and I teach my nephews as I, I took care of my nephews, they're like my sons. And I would always tell them this, I say, when you have a thought that comes to you through spirit in any way, shape or form, when it hits you, do not burden yourself with figuring out the how. Just be focused on the what what is the goal? What is the outcome? What is the vision? Get so excited about that because the more excited you get about that, the more you will magnetize yourself to the messaging, to the past, and to the people who will help you work out the how. The how is never that difficult in terms of getting getting that information. It's really allowing yourself to stay excited and magnetized to be able to get access to that how.
0: Okay, so once people get that, they concentrate on that how, like what actually is the goal? What is spirit bringing in? What are they showing me? What is the destination that I'm moving towards next? What I see a lot of times is people go through one training program or they try something for one day or for one week or six months, and then they're like, okay, but I'm not seeing results fast enough. And no matter whether it's us physically with our health or our relationships or our career, it doesn't really matter. What do you see in terms of how do we get out of our own way to keep going?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. One of my nephews, I call him my nephew's son. He is so driven, so ambitious. But when he was younger, one of the things that would, he, he decided not to go to college, he got his insurance license, and started an insurance business at 18. And one of the things that I would see was that he would get so frustrated sometimes because maybe his sales goals from the for that week he didn't achieve that, or you know something happened. he thought he put up some Facebook ads and he didn't get as many results as he thought he was going to get and what I had to share with him was this, as I said, you know, I've been really fortunate, you know because outside of writing books, I've created a very large financial services company, but I had told him I said one of the things that's allowed me to create this large business has been because I am very excited about whatever goals I'm working towards, but I disassociate myself from timelines. I know that in business, we love to talk about timelines. But I really disassociate myself from timelines. And I focus on consistency. Because if I'm so stuck on, we got to get this goal, this, I need, this needs to happen by this date, or look in this particular way by XYZ date, then if I don't hit that date, or it looks like I'm not going to hit that date, then I get discouraged. So what keeps me going it's just being consistently good, consistently excellent, consistently doing my best. And that changes every day. Sometimes your best looks different than the day before. But if I can be consistent, what i found is that sometimes I get to the goal even faster, but sometimes it takes longer, but I'm invested in the consistency and not in the specific timeline.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I wrote my second book over this last year, and it hasn't come out yet. But through that process, Spirit had me sit down one day and make a list of every goal that I can remember having and putting it in two columns. One was that was I was successful with and those that I didn't achieve. And there was just one correlation between the two of them, which was consistency. So if I stopped the consistency, I did not achieve those goals. When I just kept going with things, I was successful. And I love that word that you use, like disassociate from the timeline. I think in the spiritual community, a lot of times we say surrender or acceptance, but really that's what we mean is disassociate from the timeline and allow it to happen when it's going to happen and just get comfortable with it's on its way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trusting that. Because it always comes. It always comes. I think patience matched with consistency is the greatest magnet that you can have for attracting spirit to deliver what you want. And so for me, if I look at my own life as an example, and I think we should all do this, sometimes we have to look back on our own experiences there were things that you got that even though they took a little longer than expected, it still happened. And in some cases, it was a blessing that it took longer than expected because maybe you were not prepared for that. Sometimes we can ask for things and desire things. We want to manifest things that we're not properly prepared for. And then we end up building a mansion on sinking sand. And so sometimes you need a little bit more time to build that strong foundation, so that retaining wall, for lack of a better term, so that when the mansion comes, you can now support it and it's not going to fall apart. And so trusting that, you know, is something that's very powerful.
0: Okay. So you have the goal, you have the consistency, you keep going, you reach a successful peak, right? And a lot of my clients, when they get to that success that they were looking for, there tends to be this automatic egoic mind piece that comes in that worries about the backslide, right? That worries about, and I'm not saying like, if you own your own business, don't prepare for a rainy day. But it's not just business. This is health wise. This is relationship wise. This is everything. And business wise, it just doesn't resonate with me. Like I always prepare for a rainy day. I'm not a flashy person. But, and to those who are, like that's awesome. They're serving people in different ways. Totally great. I'm not talking about not preparing for a rainy day. How do you just stop the mind from worrying about the backslide? Because I think that
1: can be us getting in our own way again. You know, for me, I didn't grow up with very much money at all. You know, when I was a a young child, my mother uh, ended the relationship with my father because she wanted to stop using drugs and he was not ready yet. So it was a very abrupt ending to their relationship. I remember my earliest memories was that we lived in a little tiny apartment with a mattress on the floor. And we had one of those TVs where you had to use the pliers to turn the channel. And we had a coat hanger as the, like a wire coat hanger as the um, antenna. So you had to move it around in order to get any type of reception. That was the life that we lived. And then eventually over time, my mother became a social worker, then a therapist. And slowly but surely, you know, we got more resources that allowed us to get into the middle class, but we were not anywhere in the middle of the middle. We were at the bottom of the middle. And so for me, once I started to grow a business and grow a platform for myself, and I had more financial resources and opportunities than I had seen around me as a child, um, that was a huge fear for me. I had this huge fear of what if it all goes away? What if I squander? What if I make the wrong decision? And I will tell you, it was debilitating. It was absolutely debilitating because I would be afraid to do collaborations with people in terms of contracts, relationships, you know, partnerships, things like that. So I was afraid of the what ifs of that. I was afraid to try anything new. I only stuck with what was at the lowest risk. I was afraid to invest in myself. Sometimes you got to invest in yourself. You know, I was afraid to do that because I was always afraid of holding on to what I had. But what I didn't understand was that if my palms are clenched on what I have, then I'm not open to receiving more. And so the way that I learned how to get out of my way in that respect was trusting myself, trusting that the same mind The same spirit, the same instincts, the same everything that's inside of me that got me to this point is the same thing that can continue to get me to the next point. And even if I make a misstep, trusting that I will see that misstep before it happens and trusting that if I don't see it, I can self-correct and get back on track and probably get even to a better position than what I was in before. So what I think it came down to was trusting myself. And that's been tremendously helpful.
0: Well, let's go back to something that you said, too, because I think this is a huge part of it. We need other people. We need other tools. Like We're not here to be just an island throughout this life. We need resources. We need to know what we don't know. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that maybe don't even get started on their dreams because there's a lot of fear there of, I don't know what I don't know. It's too much to learn. So we just kind of shut down to it and it's fun to figure it out. It's an adventure. It's, it becomes your life to just be that Curious person having these conversations with beautiful other souls and learning. When it comes to investing in yourself, what has moved the needle most for you?
1: Well, I think what's moved the needle, honestly, is recognizing if I don't invest in me, I'm not going to attract other people to invest in me. Ultimately, you have to be able to, if, for me, at this point, if someone comes to me and asks me to invest in a business that they're doing in some way, shape, or form, like a, a a financial investment, one of the first questions I have is what have you invested so far? You know, Because if you don't believe in this vision, then why would I? Um, I think beyond that, let's take the money off the table. Let's just look at time. We, You know, the greatest collaborators who can take you to the next level, literally, that can really take you into the stratosphere, um, even some of the best coaches out there, they're not going to work with you if they don't see that you've invested in yourself and that you're consistently doing it. So I think that what moved the needle for me was that I recognized that I become a magnet for good fortune, for prosperity, for investment, literally and figuratively, when I invest in myself.
0: So it's so interesting, because we're all just at these different points in our lives. And I've got a lot of girlfriends whose kids are older at a point where they're retiring and they just have different space and different capacity within their life. And I only have one daughter, but we're the household where just everybody comes and it's sleepovers Friday nights and Saturday nights and taking them everywhere and just having fun. And we're at a point too, where homework is two hours every night that you have to like sit there and help with and getting up and out the door is a half an hour to 45 minutes like every morning and then practices and carting them around. And I've realized a lot about capacity as I've gone along the last 10 years where you're never going to have the time. You have to make the time and you have to recognize too when you're at capacity because you can only do so much. How do you MJ keep your capacity at a good level so that you're not taking on too much and too stressed, or maybe you have other people who come on to help. Yeah. How do you like kind of manage that within your own life?
1: I ask for help. One of the biggest challenges that I have seen, you know, my, my audience is 92% women. The vast majority of them are moms. And what I hear so consistently is, I feel like I'm spread thin. I feel like I'm burning out. I feel like I'm doing too much. But these are things they feel they have to do. What are you going to tell your kids? No. Are you going to tell your parents? No. Are you going to? These are things they feel they have to do. And the biggest relief that I've seen for them, which is what I had to do for myself as well as a parent, was I had to learn to ask for help. And it started at home what i would do with my boys especially when they were younger is you know i would tell them hey i this is my schedule you know i got to get up i got to do this i have to do this for you I have to do this i would walk them through in, in a way that was age appropriate for them to understand it and i would say so i need you all to help me out with some things if possible, it would really, really, really be great if you could load the dishwasher and maybe, and you can unload it. Because when you do that, that allows me to have less stress. And when I have less stress, that really allows me to feel really great. So that we can just enjoy each other and so on. I would help them to feel uh, to understand that they had a vested interest in me operating from a healthy standpoint. So it wasn't just a chore; it was their contribution to the household. But what I had to recognize was that one of the toughest things in my life was starting to ask for help, especially if you're a people pleaser. You can feel very challenged asking for help. You feel like or or you have the concern of um, I could do it better. But one of the things I had to learn for myself is if someone can do this, even just 70 percent as good as I can do it, then I'm going to ask them to do it because I would rather have them do it at 70 percent and that free me up. Then we have to do it the full way through. And so I had to give myself permission to know that not only should I ask for help, and I know this is gonna kind of wrinkle some people's feathers, but I'm gonna say it I'm entitled to ask for help because I'm a good person and I help people when I can. And that's my contribution to the universe is when I help people, I'm contributing to the universe. It's not directly transactional, but what it does let me know is that I'm contributing. And so when I need help, I should feel just as free to ask others for help as they feel free to ask me for it.
0: Yes. You hit the nail on the head with something that you said, because I actually had this conversation with a girlfriend on the walk the other day and she goes, Julie, I think a lot of times people don't know how to help. And so when you said, I asked them for specific things, I need you to load the dishwasher. I need you to take out the trash. I need you to do this. When you make a list for people or give them specific directives, then they know what to do. But I think so oftentimes, a lot of times we just are at capacity, like, I need help. And they're like, what can I help you with? And you're like, I don't know. I just need help. Um, So that specifics, I think, is huge.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I used to do this. I used to be like the Tasmanian devil of emotional guilt coming through the house when I needed help. Because I'm like, no one's helping me, and no one does this, and no one does that, and you're not doing this. And they're like, what can I do? You should help. And the reality is (laughs) that I had overextended myself so much by overfunctioning that by the time I exploded, I really couldn't think of what help I needed. And so what I found is that the best way to ask for help is early and often. Ask for it early and often. So don't wait until you're too tired. You know, as you, as the night before, as you're thinking about what your day is going to be tomorrow, or as you're thinking about what your week's going to be, and you're like, oh my gosh, this feels overwhelming. My next instinct is to then say, well, who can I ask for help with this? And it's not going to be easy at first, especially if you've lived your life being the helper, being the pleaser, because this literally is changing your psychology. But just like what we talked about earlier in this podcast, we are capable of changing. And so just because it's difficult does not mean that it's wrong. Just because it may not feel natural doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just unfamiliar.
0: So I'll admit this on the podcast. I haven't had one of those moments for like years, like five years, but I had it this last week, like twice in one week where I was just total like, at capacity. My body is just so tired. My mind is so tired. Everything is so tired, right? We're, we're filming this right around the holidays. And, so I had two of those moments this week and it's really helped because I think I used to almost punish myself when I would have those moments and I learned from Dr. Nicole LaPura we had her on the podcast recently that that is actually a form of people pleasing too that a lot of us grew up in households where we weren't allowed to have a voice or emotions or feelings so we don't look at our feelings often and I do find that when I'm stressed or really anxious, or I have too much on my plate. I tend to not look at my feelings. So I can't say like, this is what I need help with, but I can tell everybody that that does get easier over time. Cause now I just give myself grace of, okay, now I have an awareness of it. So I'm going to focus in on as I feel stressed or anxious over the next week, what could I use help with? And Just that grace of like, I'm not a bad person. I'm not doing life wrong. I just need to continue to have an awareness and it'll come through. And it does. It does.
1: Yeah. You know what I did during the holiday season? I decided to do something I never thought I would ever do. I got a tattoo. And (gasps) I am the most clean cut person. um, Very conservative with how I raise my boys. Just I I never would have expected it. But I knew, I recognized it, learning to put myself first, which includes adding for help, asking for help, sorry, getting out of my own way. That was something that was really important for me to always remind myself of. So what I, I did was on, the, on my inner wrist right here so I could see it easily, but I can cover it up when I don't want anyone else to see it. On my inner wrist, I have it in like Times Roman kind of font. Put yourself first. It's a little reminder, because I'm right-handed. So it's a little reminder to myself, you know, And it is such a helpful thing for me because what I want to tell people is even though I teach people about this, even though I run a business, even though from the outside looking in, it would appear that I'm very good at getting out of my own way, it's still something that takes maintenance for me. And so for me, I like to do things to consciously remind myself to do it. Now for you all, maybe it's not a tattoo, maybe it's a posted on your, on your bathroom mirror. I don't know, but something that reminds you that you deserve to be at peace and you deserve to put yourself first as well. That's so beautiful. I love
0: it. And I love that tattoo that it's like, it's a nice size right there. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I am a 42 year old woman who is a lot like a six year, 6th grade girl, or maybe even a fourth grade girl. I write on my hands sometimes because if I don't see it, I don't remember it. It's part of my ADHD, which brings me to my next question. I have found so often that the more awareness that we have on something, the more we can get out of our own way on it. ADHD. I've started to look at people like everybody's brain works so different, and it does. There's ways in which we with ADHD block ourselves because the brain just wants to go back to its habitual way of doing things. For those who are ADHD or have kids or husbands or wives who are ADHD too, Sometimes I I think, "Oh my god, my partner must feel this way cuz I feel this way about myself." It's like I'm so stubborn. It feels that way, but I'm just not catching something. You know, it's just the brain wants to go to the the back to its old way. How have you dealt with that cuz I know you're ADHD too? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So for me, you know, I was really fortunate to be raised by a mom who, um, like I said, was a clinical social worker, then she became a therapist. And so a lot of her clients were children and families. And so dealing with ADHD and various other ways that people think was very common to her. And one of the things that she taught me was that there's nothing wrong with the way you think, you just think differently. They have a label for it, right? That, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong. This is a different way to think that they've put a label on. And so for me, I give people instructions on how to work with my way of thinking. I'm not here to adjust fully. I I try my best, but I'm not here to try to do what's unnatural. I cannot change how my brain works completely. I can learn different tools and different tactics. But for example, you know, within my business, I tell, you know, my staff, you know, I will tell them, I'll say, hey, listen, sometimes I'm all over the place. What I need you all to do is if you sent me an email and I've not responded to it just yet this is a part of your duties to follow up with me again. You know, because between yesterday and today, my mind could have gone in 50 different directions It all seemed like the right direction. And I, that email just literally slipped by me. Okay. And so I give people instructions on how to best support me within it. You know, with my boys, I tell them the same thing. And one of them is very, very good at this. I will say they know the deal. If you send me even a text message and it's something that you need for me. If I don't respond within an hour, then send another message. Be nice about it, but send another message. And so I give people permission to participate in helping me. That's my, one of my ways of asking for help, really, is giving people permission and instructions. And, of course, doing it tactfully, not doing it in a in a directive kind of way. But helping people to understand, hey, I'm really not good at this kind of stuff. I'm likely to forget things. I have a trainer. And I told him the same things. As, you know, our sessions will start at noon. I said, I'm probably never going to get there at noon. And so I said, you know, so let's not plan for an hour. Let's plan to have the most amazing 40-minute session on earth. So I'm going to get it there by about 12, 20. It's just how my brain works. I could be walking out the door and then something that happens. So I'm very transparent with people, not in an apologetic way. because I'm not going to apologize for how my brain works, but I'm going to at least tell people this is what my reality is. And here's how we can partner together so that they can manage your expectations um, around how they expect me to show up. And it's been incredibly helpful. That's
0: awesome. Is there anything where you've been like, okay, I really want to work on this piece, but you found like you just can't find a rhythm to it yet. Like I'm looking around my room and I probably have like 12 piles of papers that and I, I'm a paper person, so I got a remarkable to try and use the remarkable as paper and not all the paper piles. But it's just if I don't write something down, it just automatically goes out of my brain. But I have something where if I write something down. Some recollection thing happens where I can retain it very, very easily. So I'm just wondering, is there anything or are those things that are just natural to us and we just got to let those go and get out of our own way and just stop beating ourselves up about it?
1: I think that we should never beat ourselves up about anything, no matter what it is, especially when it's been this way your whole life or most of your life, like you're beating yourself up. It's like beating up yourself up about oxygen. You can't do anything about it. It's there. And so what I've learned to do is I was looking for a sheet of paper, but I don't have that sheet on the table over there, but I have the just a massive to-do list. Maybe everything needs to get done, but at least when my mind, everything seems like it needs to get done, right? So anyway, what I do is every day that I get up, what I do is I get, and I learned this when I, was, I used to be a management consultant. There's was a guy who I was working with. I was at Deloitte at the time, and he taught me this trick because he um, had ADHD, and he says this is what he would do. At the start of his day, every day, he looks at his to-do list or writes it out, whatever it may be. And his thing is, he says, what are the top three things that I need to get done today with everything else falls behind? And most things will. If everything else falls behind, these are the three things I need to get done today. And then that's what he starts to focus on. He always goes beyond those three things, but that's that. And I literally still do that today, um, almost 15 years after learning that lesson is I speak the top three things and I give myself permission to have some things that's going to fall behind. It's, it is what it is. My to-do list is too long anyway. So what's the top three things?
0: Oh, amazing. All right, MJ, I'm wondering in 2023, what were like the biggest lessons that you learned personally for yourself?
1: The big one, one of them was put myself first. That was a huge one. I'm going to stop sacrificing myself. And the other one is that my feelings are valid. My feelings are valid. If I feel uncomfortable, I should feel uncomfortable. If I like something and no one else likes it, it's okay. If something feels uncomfortable for me, this this dynamic just doesn't feel comfortable for me, but everyone else is acting like it's normal, that doesn't mean that my feelings aren't valid. My feelings are valid. And the more I've learned to honor that, the more freeing it's been for me because it gives me permission to then articulate my feelings where appropriate, or for that matter, change the approach to what I'm doing so that I can address those feelings. So putting myself first and accepting that my feelings are valid. Those are my two biggest lessons.
0: Amazing. And when you look at 2024, what are like the big things that MJ wants to focus in on?
1: Well, this is my year of living a big life. And what I mean by that is this living a big life for me. So my boys are both out of the house. One of them is back in Texas right now, growing his business. The other one is in Bangkok right now, growing his business. I'm so proud of them both. And so I'm an empty nester. And so I downsized for my home because uh, I'm like I don't need all the space anymore. And I'm going to spend the year traveling. I'm able to be a quote unquote digital nomad because my work is primarily on camera and online, so I can kind of do it from anywhere. So yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing right now. I'm actually in. Um, I spent the holiday season in Cape Town, so I'm still here, and I'm going to go from here and go to different places. So I just want to live. I I said big life over big things. That's really what this year is all about.
0: That's incredible. I love that. And that's what the angels say too, is that this is the year of abundance and abundance is in all things.
1: Yes. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yes. Love it. All right. Your book is Get the F Out of Your Own Way. I love that. Your MJ Harris. Where can people find you? More website, Instagram. Where do you want them to go?
1: You can find me on pretty much every platform. I'm not very active on Twitter, but on every other platform, which is MJ Harris Speaks. I mean, you can go to MJharrisSpeaks.com or just go to MJ Harris Speaks on any platform and you'll be able to see me there and get my book.
0: Yay! Oh, MJ, thank you so much for being here. And I just so love your energy.
1: Thank you, you too. This has been absolutely wonderful. I really enjoyed it.
0: Friends, let's end today's episode with a prayer. Dear God, as we stand here at the threshold of a new year, we come to you humble in gratitude and hopeful in our hearts. We ask you to bless this world and every person in it with your endless love and abundance. We call upon your angels to extend their wings over every soul. May they touch every life, bringing healing where there is pain, strength where there is weakness, and infinite abundance in every area of every life. In this time of global reflection and anticipation, we pray earnestly for peace, peace within our own hearts, peace within our homes, peace across every land. Let hope rise and let love prevail, binding us in our shared humanity and interconnectedness. We ask for special care and protection for the children of our world. May they grow in a nurturing environment, shielded from harm and surrounded by care. Their laughter and their dreams are the seeds of a promising future. And we ask that each are blessed with every opportunity to thrive. God, guide us to be creators of our own harmonious world. Help us to become beacons of your energy and spread your love now and always. As we step into this next chapter of our lives, empower us to live in alignment with our soul. Find joy in each moment. And embrace the beauty of life's journey. May we each walk in confidence and faith, knowing that with your divine guidance, anything is possible. May our hearts overflow with gratitude and our minds be filled with positive, loving thoughts. In this spirit of optimism and renewal, we step boldly into our future, ready to create love and thrive. In this we pray. Amen. Friends, if you'd like to support this podcast, book a session with me or join my angel Reiki school, where I'll help you develop all of your unique spiritual gifts and use them to serve. Visit theangelmedium.com or use the link in the show notes to book a discovery call with me personally. Thank you for being here.
1: I love you.